Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is the morning, Saturday, January 13th. Just now coming up for air after a bonkers 48 hours with the Alabama vacancy and Dabo Sweeney's place in that. We welcome all the new customers to TigerIllustrated.com. Lots of people signed up over the last few days and um, also probably a lot of our longtime subscribers who are quite happy with being on the front end of this story. And of course, Dabo Sweeney getting a call from Mama, Alabama, and by his choosing, as best as we can gather, not letting it get to second base. A really remarkable development in the Debo Sweeney story. Our summary, Clemson called. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solution, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, this one has been requested quite a lot. C.D. Davies, who presides over the 110 Society. We're going to go deep into the world of NIL and all the complicated mechanics that go along with it. Great stuff here. Enjoy. All right, we're joined by C.D. Davies, who has the not very simple job of presiding over the 110 Society, and you've spent, I guess, a couple of years trying to weave your way around all these ever-changing, the ever-changing NIL world. First of all, thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, you're welcome, Larry. Nice to be here. Nice to be able to talk about this. It's not an easy topic, so having more time to discuss it and explain it, I think, is going to be good for everybody. I agree. Was that uh, was that intro that I that I came in with pretty much? Did that kind of sum um, it up? <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. So I started. You know, I'm a I'm a retired banker, so I worked at a number of large banks, and then um, I was looking to retire, and a couple summers ago, Coach Sweeney had asked me to to join the football coaching staff to um, 
to help our athletes navigate NIL. And so that's how that started. I was there um, for the 22 season and then most of the 23 season. And then at the end of October, I moved over uh, to run our new collective, the 110 Society. And if we could maybe get into your relationship with Dabo and how far back that goes. Um, you know, probably I'm guessing maybe 10 years and, and, and some of it was through, uh, the, um, the all in ball and being able to get a few items, um, during, during that time period, uh, to spend some time with the coaches and, to and, to, you know, just to talk football for the most part. And then, um, we were also, um, investors, um, in a, uh, in a project in the Clemson area. So we spent a little bit of time that way, but, you know, for the most part, it was, um, we would, uh, my wife and I would have a lunch that was auctioned off at the all in ball. And, you know, that ended up giving us a few hours with, um, with coach Sweeney and Kathleen and the other coaches. And, you know, during that period of time, we talked about everything. It was not just football because the football coaches were just very interested in, in other, other careers and such. So we, we had lots of, lots of conversations having to do with football and business. Uh, just, uh, before, uh, before we started this call, I just sent an article in to tigerillustrate.com just about the the sort of shifting sands of college football in general over the last few years. And of course, the transfer portal and NIL have been a major part of that. But it ain't stopping because we, we have 12-team playoff coming starting next season. And then, of course, all the different um, realignment movement that figures to be coming and what Dabo has openly talked about just in general as being probably a big blow up uh, coming in college football sort of between the the big dogs and the ones who might have to opt out from being big dogs. What do you make of it just not just with your role that you came to Clemson working under but just as a Clemson, as a longtime Clemson fan, I guess you graduated in 86, correct? Correct. Um, how do you wrap your arms and your mind around not just NIL, but around the whole enterprise? You know, I, I guess I take a look at it through the eyes of a, of a business leader, and it's, it's just it's evolution, right? It's like every business, every type of company changes over time, rules change, uh, culture change. And so I I don't see this as anything that's, that's abnormal. I I think it's just the, the natural evolution as to how this is ultimately going to play out. And, and money obviously has a, a huge, factor in all of this. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of more of a pure capitalist. So I always felt like the NIL piece of this makes a ton of sense, um, for these athletes. You know, it's a, it's a weird business model. Um, at least it has been a weird business model where there's so much money involved and, and the players are only getting Scholarships, which I think are is a great thing, um, but it does get the economics out of whack. And I think all these changes that are taking place are leading us to a more economic, um, stable 
um, environment for college sports. Now, there's going to be anytime there's dramatic change in any type of industry, there is, you know, it, it goes forward a little bit, then it backs up a bit and it moves all around. And that's kind of where we are right now in this evolution of, of college sports. This does feel like a temporary phase and it has felt that way for some time. I guess I would chart it back to when the Supreme Court but I don't know exactly when that was, maybe two years ago, basically took a blowtorch to the amateurism model. And at that point, at that point, it's over. I mean, essentially. And so we're we're headed, and I want to get your thoughts on this too. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Is what you envision, what I and plenty of others envision, uh, basically an, an inevitable path toward collective bargaining and actual salaries and I guess being maybe employees of the of the schools, maybe employees of the conference, I guess that's semantics, but is that general sort of the shape of things as you see where things are headed or, or sort of predicting, feeling? Uh, it, it, it could be. I, I don't, I guess I'm not, I don't um, agree that it's inevitable on, on some of these fronts as to how um, everything gets solved. I'm a believer in the rules that we have now around NIL and transfer portal um, make sense to me. The, the problem is in the in the execution of the rules. And so and, and I'm sure college football in particular and basketball, I assume the same as well, has had that kind of issue forever. You know, and whenever there's a and economic injustice in some ways, um, those are the issues that you kind of, that you kind of grapple with. So I'm not, you know, it, it could absolutely, the, the, the right solution could be, um, going down the, the employee route. Um, that also has lots of other issues having to do with that. So I'm not sure that's the right answer. Um, so, but I, I do know it's, it's going to be changing and it's going to be changing, you know, rapidly, like nothing will happen for months and maybe a year. And then all of a sudden over a one week period, everything changes. And that's kind of how change usually takes place. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where it ultimately ends. Um, but, but I do know that we have got to stay kind of at the, you know, at the tip of the spear so that we can, we can make changes, quickly. Um, we need to be able to see around corners and, and try to figure out, you know, try to predict what those changes are, are going to be. And so that we can put ourselves in the best place, you know, that, that, that we can. So we, we can't ignore it. Um, and, but we've got to stay kind of tight to everything. And that's, that's a little bit of like how I ended up in this role was when I was hired by coach Sweeney, the the um, the thought was that the you know that being in the program I would be able to help these players navigate through potential deals, uh, making sure I help them brand themselves appropriately. Well, you know I think I started in like August, and then in October of that year, the NCAA came out with a 
they didn't say it was a rule change. It was more of a rule clarification, which then made it. And so they, they went kind of what I thought was the wrong way. They went where that employees of the university could not help the athletes um, and that they they gave more power or control to the outside collectives than they did the employees within the university. So that kind of that that change made what I was supposed to do for the football team, um, you know, not nearly as valuable um, because I could not help them navigate. I could not help them negotiate or have them think through uh, what those deals were. And so, again, a, a natural change was, well, if that's the case, then, then as we put together this new collective, it probably makes more sense. I can do more help leaving the university and running the collective because it's less rules. Now that could change tomorrow, right? The NCAA could could you know change its ruling and and make it where they want the universities to be more involved versus less involved with um, with NIL. But you know we just have to make those changes as they as they happen. So in the interim between when the NCAA uh, came up with the rule limiting your your abilities to do what you were hired to do in the interim between then and I guess when the 110 Society was created, pretty significant amount of time. What were what exactly were you doing during that time period? Yeah, so uh, so one thing that the that the university employee can do um, that I can't do now as the 110 Society is help with recruiting. So I would say most of my involvement had to do with recruits. And I was able to talk with them and their families, explain to them how the Clemson NIL program worked. Um, You know, we could not we could not make promises or guarantees. Um, but what we were able to do was have the information so that we could say that, you know, somebody, um, you know, that if you're a defensive lineman, here's the range that our defensive linemen have done NIL deals in the past year. So it gave them some, some idea as to how Clemson was doing in the NIL space. But, um, you know, we could not, we cannot offer them money. We cannot guarantee them money. Um, we couldn't talk to them specifically about about their NIL opportunities at all. But we could kind of lay out the program and and how it's worked for other athletes at Clemson. I guess if we could get a window into, you know, a big recruiting weekend, say a year ago, and what that looked like and felt like and sounded like as it pertains to the messaging on NIL, of course, people on the outside, you know, they form their own opinions, whichever, whatever the opinions are. And, you know, you, you, you hear some people say, you know, oh, we don't care. Dabo doesn't, he'll never get into NIL just because he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the idea of players being paid, blah, blah, blah. But what I've been told as people sort of paint the picture of those recruiting weekends when recruits are here with their families and, and and whatnot is I think somebody told me there's like a 75 minute presentation on, yeah. on, in, on precisely NIL. So it is very much not ignored and it sounds like it's presented as, Hey, if, if you are interested in this, here are the opportunities that, that are, are, are available or have been available and capitalized on by previous players. Am I getting that right? Yeah, exactly. So let's let's let me go back to the the whole 
um, what people think that Coach Sweeney's, you know, beliefs are on NIL. And so I can't speak for him, but I, but you know, in working with him on NIL, um, he has been super supportive of his players taking full advantage of NIL, you know, allowing them to monetize their off field time. So super supportive from day one. And then let's look at his actions. He hired my role. I think, I think I was like one of the, if not the first one of the very first in a major college football program, you know, to join the, the, the football staff. And, and he went out and he got a, you know, an ex CEO from a wall street firm to come in and, and help do that. So that's what he did, you know, right. Before anybody else, um, before anybody else, he built the cap, right. The Clemson athletic branding space that is, you know, connected to Reeves. So he put in space so that, um, athletes would, would have the ability to do commercials, shoot any type of, you know, any type of, uh, photography, sign autographs. He put in this space so that they did not have to leave Reeves. And that's a huge benefit. So when companies want to shoot a commercial, you know, the player doesn't have to fly to Atlanta or LA or someplace like that. They actually come to us in our, in the cab. So if you just look at things that he did way, way before, you know, it was the, it was the popular thing to do. It shows that he is very supportive of NIL. What I would say, and I'm like, I think NIL and how it's, and how it should be done is, is really good. Like it allows players, the way I look at it is it allows players um, in any sport, right. To have a part-time job. You, you can't pay them to play football or basketball or, or soccer, but in their, in their off time, they can have a part-time job. Now, back in the day, like my part-time job was cutting grass. Well, now their part-time job is, is posting on Instagram. Their part-time job is appearances. Their part-time job is signing autographs. So uh, the way it's supposed to work, it is, it, it is, it's very good. They get to monetize um, what they've worked hard for, um, and their name, image, and likeness, and they should be allowed to, everybody should be allowed to monetize their, their own name, image, and likeness. So all that's great. The, the problem comes in, in the, in the, in not following the rules, right? So the, it's like the tampering of stuff. So it's not, it's not the rule itself. It's not NIL itself. It's in how it gets, how it gets, um, enforced right and how it gets managed and that's where you know you've got a t uh, you know based on the conversations i have with some athletes that you know there's a lot of cheating going on and 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 clemson's not going to cheat right we just aren't and so you know i i, I got that very clear on the football program that we are, we're not going to do that. And there's, and there's only three rules. Like it's not that hard. It's like the first rule is that there's no pay for play. So you can't do anything. You can't have any contract that's set up having to do with the player playing a sport, right? That is, that's out. Um, it has to be a pre pro quo, meaning that the athlete has to do something to get the money. You just can't give them the money. Like there's got to be like, again, it's a part-time job. They have to give some value, some, some, um, they have to do something in order to get some money. And then the third one, which is probably the most important is that you cannot use it to entice anybody to stay or to 
or to be recruited. And so obviously, uh, you know, I've seen cases where that's being broken in the transfer portal where people are tampering and offering money that they shouldn't be offering. Um, and, and now what happens is, so there's, there's lots of problems with the guarantees to athletes, um, especially from the high school standpoint of going to college, because I hear from them. Now, this was more when I was on the football staff and I could talk to recruits. I cannot talk to recruits now. But back then, you know, we did do this, the, you know, during the, the big weekends, um, I would do a, you know, about an hour or, or, or so NIL um, presentation where we went through everything that we offered, how we worked, how it worked at Clemson, um, and then did a lot of after the fact questions with individual families and all that. So, you know, and that just sets it up that that we are going to follow the rules. Here are the rules and this is how it works. Um, and for the most part, very well received. Right. So. Um, and so that's where um, through those through that, people understand what Clemson's going to do and what we aren't going to do. But one of the problems with these, when I, I'm, I'm using air quotes for these guarantees, is I will talk to athletes back then and they would say, well, so-and-so offered me you know, $300,000 a year to come. And I would say, well, did you get that in writing? You know, And they mm. would say, well, no, they won't put it in writing. I said, exactly. They mm. won't put it in writing because it is it is against the rules. So I said, the only thing that's a guarantee for you is if you have a legally enforced contract that says that you're going to get that. And so the problem is these, the athletes are feeling like they've been guaranteed money and, and they don't always get that. And I, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, Hey, um, the school may have the best of intentions to get you that money, but there's a lot of reasons why that money won't be there. One is, they don't know how much donations they're going to get. Um, they don't know, you know, if what happens when another player comes in that has more stars than you, are they going to get that money instead of you? And so, and, and we've seen those instances, right, where, where players went someplace thinking they were going to get an amount of money and it didn't come, come to fruition. And that's going to happen more and more. So it's, it's hurting the actual athlete because, it's, it's being done under the table, right? These aren't guarantees. They're not legal contracts. They're just somebody saying, this is what we're going to do. Um, and, and that's, that's really where I, you know, we're at a competitive disadvantage. Um, but we accept that disadvantage because we're going to, we're going to do things right. We're going to do things right by the athlete. We're going to do things right by the NCAA rules. Um, but that's, that's the issue. It, it's not, it's not the NIL. It's the enforcement of, of NIL. And Dabo's sort of the model he presents, or I guess the the idea, and he has said this publicly, and I'm sure you were a pretty key um, uh, uh, figure in sort of y'all arriving at this approach, is he has said, we're, we're not going to lead with NIL. We don't want NIL to be the reason a player comes here but we don't want it to be the reason a player leaves Clemson. So therefore, and I guess I'm just trying to put the layman's translation uh, into, into words is, is, is if, Hey, if you come here and, and, and you establish yourself and um, you're thinking about transferring and you want, you need a better deal, you think you can get a better deal elsewhere, then yeah, we'll, we'll do everything we can um, to, to get you a better, arrangement with your 
with whatever NIL um, situation you have. Is that is that is that pretty accurate? That that approach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. So you know, there's if you look at like a decision hierarchy that that you know prospective players you know use to make their their decisions if you're somebody that leads if you're an athlete that leads with nil more than likely you're not even going to be in the in the mix of folks that we recruit right so you know that's so for the most part, you know, we want NIL is important, very important, um, but it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the the, re, the one and only reason that you pick a school. Right. So, you know, it should be around your coaches and your education and uh, and the school itself and what kind of experience you'll have, you know, what the training table looks like from an eating standpoint and then what your NIL opportunities are. So it, it should be in that. It should be one of the important factors in this decision hierarchy. Um, but but for the most part, if if you're leading with that as a player, um, you know, to date, that's 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 not the that's not the culture of of Clemson. And so that's where, you know, that those things we get, we would probably that would be separated out pretty early in any of the of the process. But yes, it is important, but not, you know, not the lead reason why we think um, prospective student athletes should choose Clemson. Yeah, that's interesting to sort of talk about that separation and the distinction. So we've talked about already that, um, you know, the the rules are a big part of Clemson's uh, reluctance or refusal to sort of getting to bidding wars or really, you know, go too deep into that end of the pool. But are you also saying that, like, let's just say hypothetically next week the NCAA starts allowing pay for play, whereas you can, yes, you can go to whoever offers to pay you the most to play football. Do you think that even in in the instance of that, Clemson, because of its cultural sort of leanings and 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 roots and and all the stuff that Dabo and everybody else believes that they'd still be not that interested in that type of player given that that type of player probably isn't as interested in the training table and, and all the things that you laid out a few minutes ago um yeah I, I don't know the answer to that I, I I don't know how things would change if if there was that kind of drastic change in in how Nil works so I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not going to be able to guess as to what that future looks like. Can we, uh, I guess we, we probably need to get into just the, the broad strokes of this, uh, of, of Clemson's NIL over the last couple of years, because it's my job to, to have a pretty good grasp of everything that I cover. And I, I only have a very surface level grasp of the NIL um, space in terms of, there was Tiger Impact. There was Dear Old Clemson as the main two. And those were, like you said, separate from Clemson. Bobby Couch had to actually, or chose to leave Ipte. Um, and now it's allowed for Ipte to, I guess, help help uh, facilitate um, donations to the 110 Society, even if even even though the one ten society still is separate from Clemson, is that all pretty much the gist of it? 
Yeah. So let me, can I just, let me go a little deeper. Yes, that please. Bit. So yeah, when, you know, again, natural evolution of how all this changes is, you know, when everything starts a few years ago, you know, Clemson was lucky to have um, two groups of people who were willing to get started in this whole idea of a of collectives and so we had two of them we had dear old clemson and we had tiger impact and and they did two different um they two different approaches dear old clemson was a little bit more grassroots um probably smaller amounts more um um merchandising you know where they would sign footballs and show up for events and then you had tiger impact which was which you know applied for and it was approved to be a 5013c charitable organization that that had this great idea of basically um you know paying the athletes to do charitable work and so that fit our culture and all that so those two had gotten started and again this was you know there weren't many rules we weren't sure how the rules were going to be set up um and for the most part at that point in time very very separate from from clemson as far as how the school was interpreting what it could do to help the collectives and what it could not do um then you know a few things took place one was uh the irs reconsidered the whole 5013c um, standing of Tiger Impact, and with that change, that kind of you know severely hurt their business model. Uh, and then at the same time, as we were looking and the rules were changing, it became it, it became easier for the school and, and school employees to help raise money. So that was clear. So now we could use. Ipte, which we thought was a you know a big game changer for us because they are so good at raising um, funds, and we can use the coaches to help raise money. So access to the coaches, coaches ta- you know talking to, um, and and you know and being out front with um, with the you know marketing to raise funds. So that those changes is what kind of propelled 110 society then to be like a one-stop shop NIL. So the plan was, you know, we were going to be supported by Clemson. We're not Clemson, we're separate, um, but supported by um, and 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 trying to stay as close as we can as we interpret these rules around what the university can do and what it can't. There's there's some thought that ultimately all of this like collective stuff that's outside the university um, could you know it, it could change and that can be inside the university. So we had kind of a um, an eye towards how do we set this up so we can we can adapt quickly if it becomes where everything can stay un- under the umbrella of Clemson. So that's not the case now, but, you know, as we're looking for, you know, where the twists and turns could be, we wanted to be thoughtful around some of those. It, it makes sense to me that ultimately the NCAA will move stuff into the universities because they can control it better. I, that's what I would do if I was them. But I was surprised when they gave more control to the collectives, which is kind of outside side of the NCAA ecosystem. So um, I think that just makes sense that it will happen. But if it does or doesn't, we're going to be set up appropriately. And that's just where, as we've put all this together, we had to have a mind's eye towards, hey, it's it's changing. Like we're probably, 
you know, not even through the end of the first quarter in in these types of changes with the with the NIL. And this, you know, and but we have to be adept and have our ear towards the towards what's going to happen. Um, our, you know, a lot of lawyers are engaged with this as we interpret uh, what we should and shouldn't do um, through all this. So that's kind of, you know, kind of where we sit right now. It seemed like the previous model with two collectives that are separate from Clemson. And then you have Ipte who, oh, by the way, they still have to raise money, <laughs> you know, for their normal purposes. Uh, and the donor pool um, is only so large or deep and it just seems like from the outside looking in that brings some dysfunction because then you have those three entities uh, essentially in some cases competing against each other for for uh, you know i mean that's a competitive realm and then for the average donor it's confusing as heck because you know like a lot of donors aren't paying close attention to the finer points of this and so they get a call from one of the collectives and you say oh okay you're from clemson well actually no i'm not you're right, <laughs> I'm not right. from ipte and oh well wait where's my money going again and so that just uh I, you can see how that could bring a lot of uh sort of kinks in the system exactly and that's why we made the changes that 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 we made so now you have one collective um, that is a Clemson partner. You know, we 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 have to do everything a, a normal partner would have to do contractually um, with Clemson. Um, Ipte is the is is responsible for the fundraising. So now you have the same person you've talked to before um, about Clemson athletic giving is the same person you will now going forward. And then you'll have to make your decisions around um, you know where that money goes um, right now. Now the 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 difference right now is you can't get because there is still this separation between what IPTE can do for us from a fundraising and what Clemson can do. You know we you are we're not able you know IPTE is not able to give you priority points or anything like that based on your NIL contribution. So yeah, you know, we hope that that will change. That's part of this being kind of more inside the university. Um, but right now there are some things where again they can help raise money but they can't they can't give um benefit um like they could can when you give you know to the heisman fund or anything like that let's say i'm i was a part of the 2023 recruiting class a year ago and so i went you know my family and i went through the uh the presentation uh during the the recruiting weekend I finally, I get to campus, whether it be January of last year or this past summer, and I say, all right, I'm ready to see what's out there. Can you take me down the, through the conventional, typical steps that that we would go through? Just because, I mean, people, I don't think a whole lot, I don't think very many people know what that process is like either. Okay, so let me make sure the process of a student that comes into that 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 becomes a um, uh, enrolled in the in the school. Yeah, like a, a football player, you know. And, okay. and I, I've been presented, you know, with the the NIL um, presentation from you a year ago, whenever it was, and now I'm ready to I'm ready to max I'm ready to capitalize. I'm ready to make some money to start a part time job, as you say, with whatever it is. Can you just give me like a off the sure. top of your head, what that process? Yeah. So what, 
Yeah. So what will happen is um, during um, their orientation. So when they come into school and they go through a you know very thorough, um, I thought well done um, orientation for each of the, the students. Um, like back then uh, when I was on staff, I was part of that orientation and we had them sign up for different things. So we said, you know, you know, sign. So now they should be reaching out. They'll reach out to me and the collective if they are interested in doing collective work. Um, and once they enroll, so I can't talk to them from a collective standpoint, I can't talk to them until they are an enrolled student. So, so those conversations would take place from the collective. They would also be set up on um, influencer. So what we have in a lot of other schools do this as well. There's a you know software package that is that is done just for NIL and where the student athlete goes on and it's a little bit like an Instagram page where they can upload all their pictures, they can upload things about themselves and it's a way for businesses to connect with the athletes individually. So the most important thing usually in orientation is I'm telling that when I was on staff, I would say, make sure you are taking full advantage of influencer. Make sure all your contacts are updated because that's how a company is going to find you and reach out to you. And then this, this, this um, software package also helps them get paid and withhold taxes and do all that. So it's a, it's a great, Great setup, um, but that's how they would. That's the first two things to do: is get set up on that, and to um, and to make sure um, you're what you want to do, and the amount of time you want to spend on the NIL side is 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 um, communicated to the collective, which will now be me. Um, so those are the things that that a student athlete that does not have representation is able to do. Now, a lot of them can do stuff on their own. Um, a lot of them now have represents, re- representatives. So they can now have marketing agents while they're in college. And those agents are out trying to find deals for the players as well. And I will, from a from a collective standpoint, I will talk to the athlete and I will talk to the agent and sometimes to the parents. So that just gets them started. And a lot of it has to do with what they're willing to do, how much time they're willing to spend. Um, You know, a lot of it has to do with how many followers they have on Instagram. And so like when we were when I was talking to them as part of the football staff during the, the big recruiting meetings, we were encouraging them to. Um, to do anything, you know, do as many posts as they could. You know, we were warning them about making sure everything was 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 clean and and help them with followers because the more followers you have the more nil money that 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 you will make so they should start building those that followership in high school um but they also have to be smart around the branding and and knowing that that whatever they put on social media is there forever and so we we try to help guide them through that um but again that was from a staff standpoint of talking to the um uh, the potential recruits while while they were there that that weekend my understanding is that on most teams clemson i guess in particular in general i'm just talking generalities i'm guessing you don't want to talk specifics for obvious reasons like specific players but that highest profile guys maybe two or three or four um can make uh, low six figures, maybe high 
six figures in one in a couple one or two cases like talking about like a national branding um arrangement with say dr pepper um that that dj had that was that's not a secret that he had a couple of years ago but the vast majority maybe of the guys who are capitalizing on nil maybe somewhere between 20 and 50,000 am i getting the broad strokes of that about about right um no i would say i guess it's it's a very hard thing um to put averages to right it's not um it, i don't think the you know i forget i don't know all the math terms about this but it's not it's so all over the map um, and there's so many different factors that have to do with that. I think averaging stuff out doesn't necessarily give you the right, the right feeling, right? So like you would have somebody who, who doesn't care much about it, who doesn't do much and wants to do the minimum. That could be, you know, a real low number versus somebody who is out there hustling. They have an agent and they've got a really big number. So you average those two out. That's, there's no such thing as that average person, right? So it's, it's so, it's so scattered about that. It's, it's just tough to to put averages to it. When you say guys who don't really, want to do a whole lot compared to guys who are out there hustling is there a in your mind off the top of your head is what is the devotion of time between the two like one versus the other just a just a general Uh, yeah it could be a lot right it could be so you know we've had some some players um, that I would say spent a great deal of time uh, away from you know when they were not playing football or um in the facility, uh, working a lot on these opportunities. And so, um, you know, and, and one thing I learned from, you know, cause I, I was like this person that was outside the ropes, right. I was like everybody else, like, you know, reading Tiger Illustrated and finding what's going on to being inside the ropes for a few years. You know, one of the big learnings is how much time is structured for these athletes. Like it is, they have, such little free time. And so you're asking them, um, with this little free time to go out and, you know, go to Greenville for a, for a, an appearance or shoot a commercial for a bank or, or, or do, and it's, it's, you know, again, they don't have much time. That's not, that's not structured for them already. So that's a big, that's a big undertaking. If you, if you want to, if you want to go that way. Upstate foodies want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willy Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky fresh fusion. It's the Willy Way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate. 
Maryland state law, Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Can we get into the, I don't know how to term it, but just the, I guess, I guess when we were talking last week, the term is donor exhaustion, not just at Clemson, but I think in general, and it's totally understandable given that the average donor, you know, just apart from NIL is like, you know, up your, the cost to just have the right to keep your ticket to games is going up. Oh, and by the way, parking is going up as well. And then, and it's just uh, the fatigue of just being able to be an active in-person fan was already there, has already been there. And now this thing comes along and it's not the TV money, the, the, the oceans of, of new TV money that have come over the last decade that can be, a, that can be allocated to this. It's, well, we got to shake down our donors for something else. And I don't think that this is exclusive to Clemson, but I know that when I guess about a year year and a half ago when the uh, the messages on the Jumbotrons at the football and basketball games uh, were shown of Graham Neff talking about the vital nature of NIL and, and contributing to it, you could almost hear the groans. And I would imagine that in your position, this is a very tough thing to tackle when you're dealing with donors who, um, many of whom don't have unlimited um, disposable income and many of whom are already spending a lot of their disposable income on just going to games. Can we tackle that aspect of it? Because that's a, a massive part of it when, um, when the funding for this comes from fans or has to come from fans. Uh, I, I totally agree. Right. So I'm, I'm one of those fans as well. Right. And, and I, and I do think, there is exhaustion at at a lot of schools, and and I think you've seen that in some of the reporting of some of the collectives versus their first year, their second year, and their third year. So I, I do think that will the donation side of things from fans will normalize. Um, and so when you look at so th- that's a important part of what we need to do and are trying to do at 110 Society. So the idea was, um, you know, you got to get started quickly. And, and the quickest way to get started is on the donation side. And we will we will have that part of, you know, our revenue base. I, I'm not sure it's revenue, but it's, you know, it's, it's you know, that, that will be important. Um, we're also um, want building a commercial side. So, you know, I'm talking to businesses all the time that want to do certain things with um, groups of athletes. And so the more we can 
um, uh, diversify with more commercial opportunities in the collectives, then that will that will ease the um, you know the 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 need from the on the donor side. Now we aren't there yet, um, and we have some work to do on that front. Um, and, and I say sometimes it's, it's working with the companies is a little easier. Uh, you know, they have marketing budgets and they're trying to figure out how to, how to do this. And, and there's multiple ways for them, right? They could, if they, if they want a specific athlete, then I'll just point them to the influencer site and they sign up to the specific athlete. Um, if there's not a specific athlete, but either a specific sport or, or not, then working through 110 society makes a ton of sense for them. Um, um, but so to get back to it is, yes, I mean, we're relying on the donations and it's unfortunate, um, but it is where we are. Um, and if we want to protect, you know, these athletic programs that we're very proud of, um, we're going to have to have to have to get the donations. Now, at the same time, we're trying to work so that we don't have to always rely on the donations to the at the same point that we are today. Um, so that's where having, you know, me with a business background and trying to figure out other ways for us to get revenue other than, um, the individual donors, but it's going to take us some time, um, to build that, um, and to be working with, um, some of the companies that have marketing dollars that, that can be spent. Are there other schools out there that have really dived into the commercial side of it that you, that you guys are trying to, to do? No, no, there's no, there's no, um, like ideal program out there. There are pieces that we hear from other collectives here and there, but nothing that's been like what I would say put together really well yet. I think other collectives at other schools, there's, there's more, what I hear is, you know, kind of going back to the political infighting between different donor groups and the school. So one thing, you know, that, that I would say we have a big advantage on is that everybody is, is very aligned. Right. And so as we were going through the, 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 the changes from, you know, Dear Old Clemson Tiger Impact into 110 Society and, and putting that with IPTE, you know, it, it's taking a lot of coordination, uh, a lot of lawyers to make sure that we're doing everything by the book and right. But I do think we're in a much better spot than most schools that that still have some some tensions um, in, you know, inside the programs. So that, and, and again, we aren't, we aren't the Ohio States or the Texas A&Ms with, with, which, you know, huge wealthy fan bases. So, um, so we have to be aligned and we got to make sure every dollar is, is treated well. Um, and we got to get everything, we got to squeeze it, you know, better than at some of the other schools. So I do think we're in a, a good spot there as far as being totally aligned as to what needs to be done, who, who's, doing it and and trying to make this collective uh, more diversified so it's not only relying on the donations there are plenty of clemson fans who don't like this Mm -hmm. um and one of the reasons i think is because before (laughs) before the advent of nil clemson was at the top of the mountain or near the top six straight years in the playoff under a previous model of amateurism and kind of a different world. And they view 
not just NIL, but the portal, of course, has to be mentioned also um, as playing significant roles in their decline over the last three years. And so I'm sure you've heard that plenty. Um, I just don't, you know, and I, and I would guess too that, you know, there are some other schools out there that haven't won big in a long time. So therefore their fans are, there's probably more of a hunger there, probably less, um, less exhaustion, I guess, as, as, as you said, maybe that's proportional to the exhaustion is proportional to how recently you've, you've won big, maybe. I don't know if that, I don't know if that theory, theory totally makes sense, but um, what do you say to those people? I'm sure you speak to those that that type of uh, demographic a lot. Just the people who just don't want anything to do with it. Well, I mean, that's obviously their prerogative. I, I'm I I just come at it from from change, right? Like you're either people who you're either a person who 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 chases change right embraces it or or you're not and you're somebody who doesn't want that change and i totally get especially as this thing started getting rolled out because it got very confusing between pay for play and nil and so i you know i totally understood the people who felt like um this was changing amateurism and it was changing the education as the as the backbone of the of the college sports model but i i would argue that it's not changing that it's 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 in this nil space and you have a decision to make you either embrace the change and change with it or you get left behind and and this thing isn't going backwards i mean there's there's nothing that this is this is here to stay um you know, most of the conversations I have with people that don't that have a problem with NIL is I usually ask them, I'm like, are you a capitalist? Like, are you somebody who is and, and they always are. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a big capitalist. I'm like, well, this is capitalism, right? <laughs> this is exactly what it should be. These guys should get to do. They should be monetized for for their name, image and likeness, just like we can be like I can be, you know, and so. Um, so usually when you, you put it in that effort, it's, it's change that we have to adapt to. Um, that doesn't mean we can't, um, you know, help control some of this change. Cause I do think, you know, working for the right rules, working for the right enforcement of the rules, um, is, is important. I mean, that's where I get the most frustrated in all this, um, because people get it really confused because they hear somebody, you know, one quarterback went to this school cause he was offered $2 million. Well, you know, if that's the case, that is totally illegal by NCAA rules, right? And there should be some enforcement of that, but we don't seem to see that happening yet. Um, so that's the, that's you know, what I would tell people is like, if we want competitive athletic programs at Clemson, like we have had, we need to adapt to this change. Um, and we need to be in front of it and helping manage the change versus just, you know, determining not to change. You know, you, you could be blockbuster. You know, they, they kind of decided not to go with the streaming route and that didn't work out so well for them. You were very modest when you just uh, sort of characterized your experience as you were in banking. You have a vast and impressive portfolio. Can you just share some of the some of the details of that? Just because I know a lot of people will want to know. I mean, I have it in front of me on my computer, but um, yeah. probably best for you yeah. to recite it. 
So, uh, yeah, I got to remember all this. It's been, it was a long career. So I left, uh, you know, I left Clemson with a, with a finance degree, major in accounting as well, and sat for the CPA. I became a public accountant for a few years, and then I joined the banks. And I, I worked at First Union um, after my, my first job was at Price Waterhouse, and then went to First Union, and, and ultimately – um, got into the mortgage side of banking. So that led me to being the CEO of Wachovia's mortgage business as my first CEO job. Um, then I went and ran Lending Tree. I was CEO of Lending Tree in Charlotte um, when it was, you know, a little bit bigger than a startup, but but not, um, you know, not totally a, a freestanding, stable business. Um, from there, I went to Capital One to run their mortgage business, and then ultimately ended up at Citibank in Manhattan running their global mortgage business. So, um, you know, lots of big businesses. Cities was the biggest. I think we had um, 6,000 people in on the mortgage side globally. Um, and so, and, and I would say like my experience that I find is that's helpful in this role is two, two, two things. One is I dealt with regulators every day of my career, especially as CEO. So these are people like the SEC, um, the OCC, the Federal Reserve. And so banking is highly regulated and you have these folks um, setting rules and looking over your shoulder constantly. So managing the regulatory community was a big part of my job. I see that, you know, with the NCAA right now. And, and it's, and it's an interesting because they're not as strong of a regulator as these other businesses that, I mean, these other entities that I dealt with. Um, so that's a little frustrating, right? Like, like you would want them to be a much stronger regulator than they are because that's why there's such, you know, ambiguity and, and unevenness in, in how the, how the roles, how the rules seem to be enforced. The other thing from my background is more with the startup. So, so one job that I, I forgot to, so after city, after I kind of retired from banking, I got hired by a company out in San Francisco a blockchain financial company to help them um, get started. And so it's that in the lending tree experience from a startup standpoint, that's helpful in, in how you get businesses like this off the ground and started. And, and so those are the two things that I would say have been helpful experience wise um, in, in, in all this. And then just your typical working with lawyers and contracts and all that kind of thing. I don't know what the monetary value of a of, of a scholarship and everything that a, the average Clemson football player gets under the so-called amateurism model. I don't know what that is, but I think Dabo has maybe said all that combined that Clemson invests is worth about I don't know 140,000 a year, 150,000 a year per player. What do you say to the argument of hey man, that's a that's a lot of money and a lot of value and that should be enough. Well, I would say that if, if somebody's willing to pay one of our players to show up at a function on their own time, um, why should they not get to, you know, get that money just like any other student who's there, 
Um, if they, you know, like if you go to influencers now, right? So you know, a totally new profession that's happened in the last what five years, and where they are monetized quite a bit. So you know, there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of students at Clemson that are quote unquote influencers right now that are getting paid um, by companies for their name, image, and likeness and influence. And it's the same thing that our players should get the same um, opportunities that any, any student gets. And, and, and I would say more so because they are an athlete at Clemson. Um, you know, they, they get viewed differently. And so they should just like all of us should be able to monetize whatever skills and, and, um, and effort name, image, and likeness as, as they can. So I just think it's, I think it's about as capitalistic and American as you can get and telling somebody else that they shouldn't be able to earn more money doing, you know, doing the right things. I, I don't think it's anybody's place to say that. Have you considered uh, in the spirit of, of capitalism in America, have you considered in, in your communications with some of these donors, in addition to asking them if they believe in capitalism and a free market, maybe printing out the opinion of, I guess it was Kavanaugh and <laughs> the Supreme Court, because I, I think that's exactly what he based his just excoriation of the amateurism model on, is that it's a violation of free market and capitalism. Is that right? Uh, I don't know if you've cons- considered doing that, yeah. but it was pretty convincing. Well, I have- is I have not read his opinion, um, but you know I just I guess I see it pretty clearly that we all get to we all get to determine um, you know how we spend our time and 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 if that if you're somebody that that companies are willing to pay for you to to influence other people you should be able to um, in enjoy that. So, you know, I, I think the way NIL is set up today, it is, it, it should be very separate from pay to play. Right. And it is I, I, at Clemson. It absolutely is. Right. So, so you are getting the scholarship, you're, you're getting a lot of stuff to play football. Right. And that technically has not changed. Now it's just with your, with your extra time, and with your influence, because you happen to be an athlete um, and people care, you know, what that what what they think or, you know, what they support, then they should have the right to um, to get paid for that like anybody else else would. But it's not it. We, we can't confuse it with pay for play because they are getting they're getting a stipend. They're getting um, a scholarship. They're getting, you know, all the stuff that comes with their scholarship that has not changed. That's what they're getting to play football. Um, and 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 then this is the extra. It's, you know, I will sometimes I'd use that Michael Jordan example of like if you think about it, like when Michael Jordan played for the Bulls, he was getting paid by the Bulls to play basketball. That was his pay for play. Now here, instead of getting paid to play basketball, you're getting a scholarship and, and stipend and all that. Now, Nike paid Jordan to represent themselves, them, their their shoe company outside of, you know, he wasn't doing it, you know, while he was playing basketball. But once he was off that, he was doing commercials. It's the same way for NIL. That's what NIL is, is the is the everything but um, the actual playing of the sport. So now. Having said all that, 
this is going this is going to fail. NIL is going to fail and it's going to become a huge if it's not enforced. Because because I do think schools are blurring those lines and some are just blatantly ignoring those lines. Um, and so that's kind of what the, the problem is. It's not the NIL rules. It's the lack of enforcement or people tampering or cheating that that has changed everything. There's a message board thread from a, several weeks ago. And by the way, thank you for subscribing to Tiger Illustrated. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Um, it was a, a, a thread with a bunch of questions about 110 Society. And if it's okay with you, would you mind if I just, if I just rattled off some that are in that sure. thread that, that, uh, and I'm, again, I'm glad that I have you on because a lot of people are asking, Hey, would you, can you interview him please? You know? So, um, what better way to answer those questions than the, than to have, uh, instead of me have, uh, the authority answer them. So I'll just... Um, I'll start with the 25% um, administrative fee. Is, it has some people saying, wait, why is it that high? Yeah, so great question. And, and, and probably a mistake on our part of being trying to be overly transparent. So um, the, the goal is that we are at a 5%. So meaning that 95 cents of every dollar gets to an athlete. The, the dilemma is when you get started, which is when we put this out, you have a ton of upfront costs. So lots of lawyers, right? There's lots of contracts that have to be set up um, so that we are separate from Clemson. We are an LLC. We have to be concerned about how it gets set up around how we get taxed because we don't want to pay taxes on this money, right? So there was there was a lot of startup costs before we have any donations. So that puts the, the ratio of donation and expense out of whack when you get started. Um, my goal when we put that was I wanted to be over the top transparent. And so we put in there that it was because we were guessing it was going to be about 25 percent after the first month. Now, we ultimately I think we've changed that because we, we actually came in below 20 percent. Um, and so it's just it's going to take us some time without the upfront cost um, and to get donations in to get that to about 5 percent. So we feel pretty comfortable that we will. And so and that's what I'm trying to do is manage costs. Um, you know, so there are certain things we are not doing. And one of that, one of those things is we're not, you know, taking down any space. So myself and the other folks that are working on this are working from home, um, you know, do our zoom calls. It's, it's very effective. Um, and so we're just trying to be super smart about the, the cost that we have because we want to keep that very low. And again, our only goal is to make sure the athletes have as many opportunities as possible. Someone also asks, so if we donate to the collective, is CD the guy that allocates the funds to players? If we have $5 million in the collective, does football get 80% and basketball get 20%? Is there any transparency on how the money is allocated? Um, yeah, well, right now, I would say most of the money that we have in is dedicated to a specific sport. So we've got, um, you know, we, what we did is if you give more than $5,000, then we'll allow you to kind of dedicate it to a specific sport if that's what you want. And so um, a lot of the money that's come in has been already, the donor has 
has kind of put that out there. Uh, I'm not sure at this time what we will be um, transparent with as far as payments going out. Like for sure, we'll need to make sure that, you know, we explain the dollars that have gone out um, um, in total, but I'm not sure how we will break that down. Now, if, if you're writing a big check and you want it to go to a specific sport, then we are able to to show you the donor um, where that went. But I'm not sure what we will do kind of globally yet uh, and as far as explaining where, where the money's at. Are there incentives in terms of do people maybe get some seating priority or some, some something of the sort by no. donating? No, no. Um, you know, we will we'll have some things with 110 Society where we will have some like access to coaches and stuff at meetings and certain certain things that will certain events that we will have. But nothing that none of the university's assets. So seating, parking, all that stuff can be can be used to entice donations to 110 Society. That's that's as of the rules right now. Somebody says, so I should not be donating to Tiger Impact. I should be, I should move that to the 110 Society. That's, well, Tiger Impact is no more, right? Exactly. Yes. So, yes. So, yeah, Tiger Impact is no more. So, yeah, if you were giving to Tiger Impact, please, please change that <laughs> and give 110 Society. Oh, man. I think, um, I think that's it on this, on this, on the thread that I, that I referenced. Is there anything that I haven't covered that, that I've just missed that probably needs to be a part of this conversation. Um, now let me just close out. Like I, I just want people to know um, a few things. One NIL is a priority at Clemson, right? It has gotten Graham Ness time, all the coaches time. Um, yeah, obviously it's where I spend all of my time. So I will say that it's a priority. It's a change that's taking place that is going to continue to change. And we've got to stay close to those changes and it's not going backwards. So it, it is, it's here to stay. Um, in one way, shape or form or the other, but it's here to stay. Um, I will tell people that, you know, from a person that was, I always say outside the ropes to inside the ropes, um, you, you will be very proud based on what I've seen over the last two and a half years. Um, I'm very proud of Clemson, right? I'm, I'm proud of the way we run programs. I'm proud of the integrity that I've seen, you know, when I was in depth in the football program and now on the, on the NIL side. So we do things the right way. And sometimes that's a disadvantage, you know, it gives us a disadvantage, but so be it. Um, we've been able to um, compete at the highest levels and have this culture and this integrity um, that's important to all of us. And we will continue to do that, right? And so um, as we navigate um, through all this. So we absolutely need the support of donors, especially on the short term. And, and you know, our hope would be that we start to um, get more commercial opportunities so we won't have to rely on the donors as much. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of Clemson and, I'm, and I've been more so when I've been inside the ropes because um, we, we just we do everything the right way. If I could cover just one more aspect of this as it relates to Clemson and Dabo, back in 13 to, say, 15, 16, Clemson was, was really – Clemson football was known as a pioneer 
in a number of respects uh, uh, away from the field. Uh, facilities, of course. Uh, the social media presence was way ahead of everyone else. Um, those things everyone could see um, and sort of feel. But it's interesting here, and you talk about, you know, Dabo was the first one that you know of to actually hire an NIL coordinator, a CEO, instead of just some random person who had already been in the athletic department to manage it. He also, I guess the cab building was one of the first of its kind. So it really seems like you're saying that Dabo has always been a pioneering type and one to sort of push the envelope and, and think, you know, to be a visionary, think what's next. But it seems the public conversation about this, particularly the national conversation and, but also the Clemson conversation is all oh, Dabo's just refusing to change. And he's not really interested in NIL because he doesn't like players being paid. That's a fascinating part of this to me, because it seems like there's at least a little bit of a disconnect there between the reality and uh, the perception. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it is headlines versus the details, you know, and I see, I see a lot of what has been said about NIL and Clemson get lost between headlines and details. And so, you know, Dabo has been super clear about being against pay for play. But if you didn't understand that pay for play and NIL were two different things, and by him saying that he was supporting NIL, um, that's where people get very confused. At least the conversations I have all the time with people who will say, well, I'm against NIL. I'm against, you know, paying people to play football. Right. And so then I have to get into the, well, that's not what it's for. Um, but then they hear the headlines where so-and-so quarterback, you know, transferred to Ohio state for $2 million, you know, and then they're like, well, why aren't we doing that? Well, because that's against the rules. And if that actually did happen, then the NCAA should be all over it, just like they were when people had money in McDonald's bags that were handed to players. It's the same thing. Um, so it, it's just into the details of you got to read the whole paragraph of what's being said versus just the headlines. But then it's kind of murky, though, because you have – I mean, I think you and I both know that at the end of this past season in December, you know, you have a, a lot of players going into Dabo saying, yeah, the, the uh, you know, other programs I've, I've been approached with right. deal A and I, if I'm going to stay, I need more money. And so, I mean, how is, I mean, somebody would say, how is that not pretty much pay for play anyway, if you're saying I need more money to stay here? Well, that's more, I, I guess I would translate that into um, a need more NIL opportunities, right? right? So it's not now, is there tampering? Absolutely, right? That's happening. And that's the big frustration right now is on, on that side. Um, but it's not, you know, they aren't getting, they're not getting paid more to stay at Clemson. It's around, you know, I'm getting offered this and, and they're trying to compare that offer slash guarantee to opportunities. And when I was on the staff and, and were able to talk to them, especially at that time, it was more the, um, 
you know, the recruits that were in that position. Now it's more transfer portal stuff um, is, you know, again, what is it you're trying to accomplish as an athlete? How much time do you have? And we'll put together, you know, the right opportunities for you that are, that are, you know, above board, they're by the rules. Um, and, and some, and, and a lot of times you can't compete against these, these, you know, I don't know, promises in air that, that there's nobody holding the schools accountable or the collectives accountable to making sure that they pay these kids what they said they were going to pay them. Cause there's, there's, it can't be in writing. So it's, it's like a, it's a game of vapor right now. Like it's not, you know, it'd be super easy for us to make all kinds of promises to people in the portal and get them to come and then worry about paying them a year from now or two years from now, you know, but we're not going to do that. And the other schools are, I mean, they're, they're absolutely doing it. There was a receiver at another school who was really good toward the end of the last year, not naming any names, who decided to come back last season, got an NIL deal, probably, you know, presumably a good one, ended up playing three games, and he was, he did have an injury, but there's, you know, speculation that, oh, he didn't really want to play and just want to preserve himself for the NFL. I'm not saying that, but it, that leads me to my question of what prevents a player from just taking the NIL money that is paid, not that is not pay for play that is for doing engagements somewhere uh, or being an influencer or whatever, cashing in on that contract that is in writing and just sort of mailing it in on the football field. Uh, I'm assuming nothing would keep them from doing yeah. that. I mean, obviously, not a good, not a good long-term decision for that particular person. Um, but I mean, you, you can't um, you can't legislate bad decisions. And if somebody's going to make a bad decision, they're going to make a bad decision. CD, I know you're a busy man, and you've given me a lot of your time. So I can't, cannot thank you enough. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be enlightened by this. And this was uh, long overdue, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Any Anytime, Larry. Man, you can say what you want about Dabo's approach to NIL and all that stuff, but what can't be criticized is his decision years ago to bring in a highly qualified person in C.D. Davies. seems clear that that was uh, just one of his many visionary moves that he has made over a brilliant coaching career. Appreciate Davey's time. Also appreciate all the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And thanks to all of you for your decisions to hit that play button each week. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.